Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Electric Cities Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Warson. Today's conversation is about Toronto's Waterfront Secretariat, a city team that leads and directs the city's participation in the revitalization of Toronto's waterfront. To learn more of the Secretariat's mandate and responsibilities, its relationship to Waterfront Toronto, and to get the latest on some of the developments underway and big proposals on the horizon, I'm joined by David Stonehouse, Director of the Waterfront Secretariat. David, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Good. So a few weeks ago, I had lunch along the waterfront with some friends, and I got to say, when you're down there on a nice sunny day, it's really quite something. And a lot of it is due to the incredible planning and investment government has made in the last 15 or so years to help make it what it is today. So perhaps this makes a good segue for you to explain what Waterfront Secretariat is all about, how long it's been around, and what is its relationship to Waterfront Toronto? Sure. So everyone's familiar with Waterfront Toronto, uh, the tri-government agency that was established to um, lead revitalization in uh, in the waterfront in what we call the designated waterfront area. Um, people are less familiar with, with our teams. Um, effectively, each level of government has a waterfront secretariat, mm. uh, and the secretariats exist to flow funds to Waterfront Toronto, uh, to uh, receive, receive and manage uh, reporting, uh, but also to help Waterfront Toronto with uh, the approvals that they need, uh, making sure that they understand ap- approval requirements. And the, the city's in a bit of a unique position vis-a-vis the other levels of government in that much of the infrastructure that's created, uh, whether it be a municipal road or a municipal park or a municipal sewer, ends up being... Um, uh, operated and maintained by City of Toronto staff. So we're more involved with the nitty-gritty of waterfront revitalization with uh, the specifications and plans that uh, eventually lead to to revitalization activity. So you guys are a team within the planning department. Um, and is there overlap between what you do and the rest of the planning department, especially the the downtown districts, the downtown planning districts, um, is there overlap at all uh, between the work that you do? No, land use planning matters are very much the responsibility of Community Planning South. Uh, Urban design has a role. Transportation planning has a role, etc. We are more or less coordinators and facilitators of, uh, of all of the work that takes place between the city, various city divisions and uh, Waterfront Toronto and its numerous consultants. Mm -hmm. And you'll have to imagine that on any uh, given project, uh, you know, we might have uh, transportation services involved, we might have water involved, we might have um, parks, forestry and recreation involved, city planning, of course. Uh, And then we're working with Waterfront Toronto with numerous uh, consultants on plans, whether they be high-level plans or more detailed 
um, designs and, and specifications. And everybody's got to be talking to each other mm-hmm. and making sure that all of the, the, the work is coordinated. And we're, we're sort of in the middle of making sure that all of that coordination happens. And Waterfront Toronto had, um, they, they were assigned a budget of $1.5 billion, um, with $500 million coming from each level of government. Um, where are we now in that $1.5 billion? And what is the, I guess, what's the, the medium or longer term future for Waterfront Toronto? And by extension, what's the future for Waterfront Secretariat? So... Um the the 1.5 million dollar commitment um, has largely been spent. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the projects have um, made use of about 1.4 million of that 1. billion a billion yeah. of that 1.5 billion. Right. Um, so there are some uh, f- projects that are just being finished up over maybe the next three or four years, um, and. Um, uh, you know, they, they relate to ongoing work in the East Bayfront mm-hmm. uh, and to some work in, in, in the Portlands um, and then a few kind of special projects. The, the, the next phase of waterfront revitalization starts uh, first and foremost with Portland flood protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in 2017, the three levels of government announced uh, a further $1.25 billion investment in Portland's flood protection. And that funding will flow over a seven-year period uh, from 2017 to uh, approximately 2023, 2024. Uh, And that funding will implement uh, flood protection for uh, the Portlands and much of the south of eastern area as well. And um, so that's a big project, very exciting long-term project. And that really is the enabler for uh, the the private sector investment in the portlands and the south of eastern uh, area uh, that will you know uh, drive waterfront revitalization for for decades to come hmm. before we get further into what's coming I, I do want to find out a little bit more about the history of the revitalization of the waterfront you know the waterfront seemed to have been neglected for for so long up until the establishment of waterfront Toronto um, why was that? What? What? Why did waterfront, or why did the waterfront revitalization start to become a pressing issue back in the early two thousands? Yeah, and I, I would say that um, you know I think I would go back to about the nineteen sixties when uh, industrial. Um, and commercial land uses changed, went through quite a bit of change. And we ended up with land that was, in, in our view of things, um, somewhat underutilized. Yeah. Um, and uh, some of that land was owned by the city, some was, was owned by the federal government, um, some by the province, some owned by the private sector. Um, one of the things that happened was that the federal government announced Harborfront in the 1970s, which uh, w- which was very exciting and a, and a kind of a key uh, moment in the history of the waterfront. Um, certainly didn't solve all of the waterfront's problems, but um, brought focus to the central waterfront and uh, delivered uh, cultural important cultural programming and a, and a, p- a public facility. Uh, as well as the idea that you could live on the waterfront that people would want to would want to live along Queen's Key, 
Um, so that was really key. Uh, and then, you know, a seminal work w- was done by the Royal Commission on, on the Future of the Toronto Waterfront by David Crombie mm-hmm. and his team. Uh, and a lot of the, those folks are still working uh, in city building um, uh, areas these days. Um, but the uh, the idea that you know you could take a, a an ecosystem approach to waterfront planning and that there was a lot of potential in Toronto's uh, waterfront that that work then led to um, an Olympic bid, mm. um, which was in the end a failed Olympic bid, but uh, out of that came. Uh, a tri-government commitment to waterfront revitalization. Mm-hmm. So a tri-government commitment to uh, to revitalizing the waterfront. And um, so, was um, it the city that um, initiated that tri-level government agreement, or did they all just come together uh, rec- in, independently, recognizing that there's some great opportunity here? Yeah. So you know, to quote David Crombie, um, he always talked about. Uh, a consensus, an emerging consensus, and I think um, he, his team started that conversation, um, uh, which turned into a con- consensus. And then, you know, over time through the through the eighties um, uh, and nineties, um, I think governments all came to realize, as as most um, members of the public did as well, that the waterfront is a special place, an interesting place, an area um, that. Uh, is um, in need of revitalization and is and an area that is worth revitalizing, you know, at, in terms of new residential communities, mm-hmm. um, new commercial areas, and then certainly for recreation. And I think I think Torontonians want the tourism, but I think they're actually more interested in uh, the waterfront as an extension of the city and a waterfront where um, they go on weekends. Um, and, and explore for themselves. So by losing the Olympic bid back in 2000, for the 2008 Olympics, um, it sounds like it was a blessing in disguise. By, by not having won that, we have the opportunity to revitalize the lands for the benefit of community and uh, investing in, in the long-term future of the city. Um, and much of that, getting back to the port lands, um, you mentioned the the flood protection, so again that that ties into um, uh, I guess in its current state the portlands are not developable right because it's all part of the floodplain. Um, what is the the significant type of activity that's going on as part of that floodplain protection study? Uh, well, it's beyond a study. We're actually under construction. Mm-hmm. So uh, and we're at this point in. Um, uh, kind of various states of detailed design and early implementation, um, all being led by Waterfront Toronto. And um, what's happening, you know, over time, what will happen over the next seven years is that we'll be um, uh, creating a new channel uh, for the Don River to flow. Um, we'll be retaining the Keating Channel as a, a, a flood uh, water conveyance uh, channel, but also as a, as an amenity, um, and then also a spillway down to the ship channel. Um, we'll be creating new parks and new wildlife habitats. Uh, they're all related to uh, the the riverine wetlands that are that are to be created. Um, then there'll also be some new infrastructure as part of this project, and it's we, we call it the enab- the large scale enabling infrastructure which 
it makes logical sense to do at the same time as building the river because if we didn't do it at the same time we'd be ripping up the river to do it later mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that means redoing cherry street redoing commissioners redoing don roadway uh, and then the, the major water and sewer pipes that connect those uh, those major uh, roads, uh, setting the um, uh, the um, geometry for uh, future transit, um, and then building the associated parks and natural areas. Is um, is waterfront secretariat's involvement due to the fact that the city is providing part of that funding, that $1.25 billion funding, or is it because the city owns land in that, in that area? It's, it's part of both of those things, okay. but the most important thing is at the end of the day, we're building roads which will become municipal roads, sewers and water service that will be uh, operated by Toronto Water, and then parks that will, uh, parks and natural areas that will be um, managed in the long term by um, Parks, Forestry, and Recreation and the Toronto Region Conservation Authority. So, you know, we, we have quite a, quite a stake in how these things need to function uh, and what they look like um, and how they'll, you know, in terms of how they will be operated mm -hmm. and maintained. And you're involved in the, the Portland's planning framework as well. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Sure. So mostly led by Waterfront Toronto and uh, Community Planning South um, with uh, urban design and transportation planning. Um, the Portland's planning framework was approved in December of uh, 2017 by, by council. And that really sets out the a process for um, the um, commercial and residential development that will follow Portland's flood protection. Uh, and what's imagined is a collection of um, mixed-use areas, but also um, a, a reinvestment in uh, the a film studio district, hmm. in um, some of the, the more traditional industrial uh, parts, mm -hmm. the zones of the, uh, of the Portland's. And then, you know, acknowledgement that the city still um, benefits from having a port, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, has its own needs mm -hmm. uh, that need to be supported over time. So it's, it's, it's an interesting framework in that it um, incorporates a future vision, but also addresses this sort of historical and existing uh, uses, which are, you know, really critical to the functioning of the city. Yeah, the port's always been a kind of a... Um, a place that people dream about mm -hmm. uh, for the city mm -hmm. um, because it's so big, um, because it's a kind of a comprehensive package. Um, and, you know, because also it's, it's an interesting place right now the way it is. Mm -hmm. And so you find yourself down there imagining uh, different futures, but also, you know, celebrating the things that just happen there now, mm -hmm. all of the, uh, cement trucks, all of the ships, uh, all of the the heritage bridges, the recreational opportunities that are down there, the wildlife. Like it's a pretty cool place yeah. right now. Yeah, and it'll be a, a kind of a focus of uh, of everybody's attention for many decades to come. Yeah, and you know, just uh, moving slightly west, it's it's hard to ignore um, that twelve-acre property that uh, the Google company Sidewalk Labs uh, recently 
laid claim to, and that that's a very um, contentious topic. I think there's a lot of questions about data privacy. I don't want to really get into that right now. I just, what I'm just curious about is what is Waterfront Secretariat's role vis-a-vis the discussions with Sidewalk Labs? So we are uh, the city's lead on the um, uh, Sidewalk Toronto uh, Keyside project. And what that means is that at the end of the day, we'll be coordinating a council report Mm -hmm. uh, on whatever outcomes emerge from the Sidewalk Toronto Keyside um, project. So Waterfront Toronto is working with Sidewalk uh, Labs and they'll, uh, they just completed something called a plan development agreement that was uh, signed at the end of July. Um, and they'll be working over the next, um, I think, six to nine months on something called a master innovation and development plan. Uh, at the end of that process, when they're done, um, when something's been approved by the Waterfront Toronto Board, uh, we'll um, um, be hosting community consultation, um, and then you know drafting a report to council with recommendations on on um, what uh, to move forward on uh, and um, how how best to move forward. So, what are some of the ideas that Sidewalk Labs has introduced recently that has got you guys, I guess, the city or your team, excited? Um, I mean, I for us the 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 most interesting is the um, some of the ideas around uh, the gra- the ground floor of their um, proposed buildings at Keyside, uh, and so they're they're imagining that the ground floor spaces are tenanted differently than typical uh, development. Um, so tenanted more for, um, I'll call it maybe a marketing or sorry, a market, um, style with food markets and, um, maybe community services and, um, enter, um, entertainment uses with maybe some tenants, um, you know, being there just for a day or there for just a week or there just seasonally. Uh, so it's kind of a different uh, kind of first floor environment in the, in the sense that uh, it's not just about being a landlord and having tenants, but actually curating uh, a ground level experience, which um, kind of mixes up uh, everything from retail to, um, to just open space. Hmm. Okay. Um, in terms of supporting what's happening either at Portlands or anywhere else along the eastern stretch, um, there is this the Queen's Key LRT, uh, which is always talked about. I think there's an approved EA, uh, but that is so so critical to making things happen. What what is the status with that, or what are the challenges to to seeing that unfold? Sure. Well, um, we wrote a couple of reports um, that were. Uh, the outcome of a process that we called the waterfront transit reset and um, that that work um, was really about um, talking about the waterfront um, line as a network meaning it's not a continuous line from one part of the city to another part of the city it's a it's a network of uh, light rail uh, and related um, improvements Mm -hmm. 
which when you add them up, um, serve serve the waterfront from Etobicoke through to uh, to Leslie Street, and the idea about this network is that it can be implemented in pieces and in phases, with Queen's Key being an, an early phase, and um, ultimately I think what we what we want to do you know within ten or fifteen years is get from Union Station along Queen's Key into the port and as far east as as Broadview. Uh, and connecting also to the Leslie Barnes, and that, and and that is something that will really fuel redevelopment yeah. in the East Bayfront, in the Portlands, um, at First Golf, uh, at the uh, in the Unilever Precinct, yeah. um, etc. So, um, th- that's that's kind of the framework, the, the waterfront transit network, and obviously the the East, the what we used to call the East Bayfront LRT is is kind of a first step. Very complicated project in the sense that anything that goes into Union Station is complemented and anything that's underground is complicated and expensive. Um, but I think you know people will see that work in context now and they'll understand that it's really a first step towards um, you know redeveloping to the east um, and as far east as, as Broadview and Leslie. What, what's the status of it? We've got one last piece um, that is being completed now. What do you mean by one last piece? Uh, a technical so study? Te- technical study, yeah. Um, by, um, you know, a team of city staff, TDC staff, Waterfront Toronto staff, and um, associate consultants. And then uh, there will be a report in 2019 uh, written by the city manager's office that deals with uh, the city's longer list of transit priorities. Mm. And so uh, it's possible that um, some aspects of the waterfront transit network will find their way into into that um, initiative. Hmm. Very good. So that will be exciting. Uh, look forward to, to hearing more about that next year. Um, moving further towards the downtown core, today is October 10th, 2018, and yesterday... There were uh, the city, or I guess Waterfront Toronto, announced the uh, the winning designs for two new parks in the more of the central part of the waterfront um, at York Street and uh, and the Reece Street. I saw some in- images, and they were, they were quite compelling and, and attractive. Was Waterfront Secretariat involved in in those uh, bids or the, that that activity? We we had a small role in that, but um, really the leadership behind that initiative is with Parks, Forestry, and Recreation, and and with um, Waterfront Toronto. And um, uh, Parks ha- has these two sites, which it now has capital funding f- to uh, redevelop, um, and uh, that that of course that funding will be phased um, over a number of years, but. Um, they they wanted Waterfront Toronto's help in terms of uh, a design competition that would um, um, you know f- find the appropriate most appropriate designers, but also in, engage the public in mm-hmm. in the uh, the early concepts. Um, two small projects, but two really interesting projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Reece Street Park, a park that's been identified as a as a future park for a very long time, and the York. Uh, street park kind of uh, an, a really interesting piece of land which uh, was really 
uh, not available to people or not accessible to people because of the the gardener off ramps, and then with the the shortened um, uh, ramps that were rebuilt a couple of years ago, this this new piece of land is has opened up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, two diff- very different parcels, uh, but two very interesting parcels, and um, um, the the York Street site in particular, I think, will be quite fun as as it moves towards implementation well speaking of fun um another couple of projects that come to mind are the the bentway uh which is now up and running and i think to quite a lot of success and a lot of attention for a lot of fun activities but also one that is uh being planned i think is this garrison crossing do you want to talk a little bit about waterfront secretariat's involvement in in either of those projects Sure. So, um, so the Bentway um, was inspired by the the Matthews family, by mm-hmm. Judy and Will Matthews, uh, and their incredible donation. Um, but you know, when it, it soon after the the Matthews approached um, the city, we had to figure out how this would get done. Yeah. Um, and um, the because uh, they had a they had a time element to it right yeah they wanted it done very quickly right yeah so uh there was a decision made to utilize an existing structure that of waterfront revitalization which would allow for uh, the city to be involved but for waterfront toronto to be the lead in terms of uh, managing a design process and a um, construction process um, and so that that's what played out. And our, our role was to um, write reports that um, established um, the, the the design and implementation process, the partnership between the, the the Matthews family and what became the Bentway Conservancy, the city, and Waterfront Toronto. Get that all approved by uh, Toronto City Council. Uh, and then we we were also involved with the Toronto Office of Partnerships with uh, the 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 model, uh, the council approvals of the model of, for programming operations and maintenance mm-hmm. um, that w- will have the Bentway Conservancy managing the Bentway, you know, for for some years. Oh, um, I see. Okay. Um, Under the, from the, I guess, the Parks Department will be managing it? In no, no, the Bentway Conservancy oh, okay. is going to manage the, 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 the facility okay. and uh, almost like a, like like a conservancy, mm-hmm. uh, like a parks conservancy, um, and part of that is that one of the reasons for that is this very interesting um, um, geography, which is not quite a park, uh, and not quite a road, uh, and not quite um, um, you know other other things that we're used to seeing in uh, in cities, and then adjacent to the Fort York National Historic mm-hmm. um, Site, which is a really important site. And one that needs to operate, you know, in harmony with with the Bentway. Mm-hmm. So I guess the similar, I, I, a lot of that work is now done. A lot of your involvement, but I guess similarly, the the uh, garrison. Um, yeah, well, so that, that, that's an interesting one because that one's under construction right now. Okay. Um, and we just put up the. It's it's actually two bridges mm-hmm. uh, across um, uh, two different rail corridors. Uh, operated by Metrolinx. One bridge went in July. Uh, second bridge is actually 
uh, going to be erected this weekend. Oh, huh. uh, and then we have finishing work in terms of the trails and um, the bridge components, you know, which will play out over. over so weeks and again, months. why is that important? This whole bridge and and where is it? Where are the connecting points? So the bridge will connect uh, the area, um, you know, the Liberty Village okay. and um, uh, and you know the, the 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 residential communities on the north side of the railway corridor to the various waterfront parks on the south side of the corridor, the Fort York National Historic Site, and then there are also emerging communities um, uh, south of the corridor yeah. as well. So. You know, instead of needing to take Strawn Avenue yeah. or Bathurst Street to cross north south, they'll be able to, people will be able to, to take the garrison crossing. So, just for a little bit further west, um, I just want to touch upon the island airport or the Billy Bishop Airport, which is now called. Um, you know, the days of the proposed jets are, are, are gone. We're, we're no longer dealing with that. But it is still um, a beehive of activity. Lots of traffic, lots of, I think a lot of people enjoy using that airport. And I guess it, it, it still deserves a lot of attention. So what, what's, what kind of activity, uh, what kind of studies are you conducting right now to make it a better place? Sure. So I guess I guess first of all, you know, we we monitor uh, how well the airport is performing um, and how well, uh, in particular, the the land side is working. Um, and you know, there have been um, improvements that have really changed yeah. things down there. Uh, the uh, one of the most significant was the opening of the tunnel. Yeah which removed the surges of people coming from the airport uh, on arrival. And so you ha we've had this uh, steady flow of arriving passengers rather than surges, and that's made the traffic uh, much more manageable. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, taxi corral, corral that was built by, uh, by Ports Toronto uh, has has really helped, and then some also some of the uh, transportation demand management um, that work that's been done by the um, by by Port Toronto, you know the the shuttle that operates uh, and is uh, you know continuously improved um, the the bike share connection stations that have been um, installed. So we we kind of monitor all that and um, you know work with. You know the community as well um, in terms of how they're thinking about how the operates the airport is operating, especially um, uh, landside. Um, Waterfront or Port Toronto is also doing uh, a master plan for the um, for the airport uh, by um, federal um, law. They have to revisit. Uh, they have to have a master plan that they revisit about every five years. So and and uh, so they're revisiting that right now. Uh, so we'll be monitoring that process uh, very carefully. Um, the other thing to mention is that we've been um, working with um, Port Toronto, but also with city divisions and with the community on uh, the Bathurst Key neighborhood plan. And specifically for uh, some uh, a plan of short and medium term improvements to um, the 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 Aaron Key um, area, which will result in um, new 
uh, open space and new plaza that will allow people to better access Ireland Park hmm. uh, and then, you know, also make use of some of the land that, that has been abandoned around the, the hmm. malting silos. There's also a kind of a long-term um, process for trying to figure out how to deal with those silos. Right. And, and, and a lot all, of people. A lot of people have been involved with that for a very long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's hard because uh, those silos are hard. Are hard. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know they're deteriorating, and they've deteriorated a lot over the, over the last decades. So they require some reinvestment, but then also some you know very compelling idea about how to adaptively reuse. And you do see examples worldwide of how to how to adaptively reuse uh, silos, um, but you know they're not straightforward. Hmm. Uh, they're not simple. So so in that in the island airport example again. Um, it's it's waterfront Toronto that is involved. It's uh, the city planning that is involved, and waterfront secretariat is involved to report back on funding and, and other kinds of commitments. Yeah, so there are lots of players involved, and right. first and foremost, uh, Ports Toronto. But w w the secretariat finds itself, you know, in in the role of coordinating activity. Uh, and then uh, quarterbacking council reports that relate okay. to um, um, to how issues should be managed and and how revitalization work uh, should go forward. There's a lot on the go. You have a big team to to look after a lot of these projects um, in conjunction with um, the other agencies and government uh, other levels of government so thanks a lot for for taking the time to explain to me a little bit more uh, about waterfront secretariat what it does its responsibilities it's been really interesting thanks again for your time you are most welcome mm -hmm.